How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. What's up, Catapulting Commissions family? Welcome back. I'm excited to have you with me today. We are going to take sales, sales enthusiasm, sales leadership, sales skills to an entirely new level. You talk about expert sales professionals. I have one on the show today. Aneda Konev is a speaker, connector, coach, and author. She has spent 18 years in sales or sales leadership. She has experience running her own business, starting from the ground level, and running an organization with over 10,000 insurance agents in her team. She has spent time speaking and training across the country. She has spoken on over 1,000 stages, training, consulting, and speaking to sales and business professionals nationwide. Her training systems have been duplicated by hundreds of leaders across the country. She's the founder of Her Sales Resource, a sales and speaking company that specializes in live events, networking events, cultural and tactical training workshops. She is also available for one-on-one and group coaching. But today, we're going to pick her brain about everything sales related, how to get the most out of your sales team, how to drive revenue during this COVID pandemic. I couldn't be more excited to introduce Aneda Konev to the Catapulting Commissions team. Aneda, welcome to the show. Man, Anthony, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, and I'm really excited to have a conversation. Thank you. I'm I'm likewise excited. I think anytime you can find somebody who is, one, as excited about the science of sales as I am, I have to get you on the show. And I, you know, I've I've followed your stuff. I followed you on Instagram, and we'll put all that in the show notes. You are definitely fired up about the sales process. Is that a fair fair statement? Yes, sir. <laughs> Good. So let's talk a little bit about the sales process. So your organization, her sales resource, mm-hmm. right? You are connecting and building, and from what I've gathered, you're building these networking events, cultural tactical training workshops, and some sales training at a high level. So. Let's kick in and talk about what's happening right now. It's yeah. COVID-19. It's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. People are having challenges, right? Do I sell my product? Do I not sell my product? How do I manage my team? How do I not manage my team? And we're going to pick your brain on all of that today. So let's first talk with the sales process. All right. Is it possible for someone to generate revenue or follow through their sales process during this pandemic? Is it possible 100%? We're going to see people come out of this much better off than when they entered it. You just have to decide which one of the two you're going to be, and you have to be intentional about it. You know, the school of thought is either wait it out or take some market share. That's literally your two options right now. The people who are waiting it out are handing over pieces of market share to the ones who are pushing through. Okay. So for those that are pushing through, and I think that's phenomenal feedback, right? You're two choices. You wait or you push through. Yep. Is there a 
adaption and strategy? Is there a change in the marketing? Is there a change in creating the urgency to make decisions now? I mean, how, how do we pivot during this or do we act as business as usual? You definitely can't act as business as usual because it's not business as usual. I think, first of all, you have to prepare mentally because what's going on is you're fighting those two schools of thought in the prospects as well. There's those people who say you shouldn't prospect during this time. You should lay off. People are struggling. And then there's also the people who want to push through. So you've got to understand that you're looking for the ones who think like you. This is a very different strategy because when times are good, People have money to spend. There's budgets to worry about. The objections are completely different. Today, you're wondering where people even are starting at mentally. So that's number one is be intentional about understanding where your prospect's mindset is today. You'll find that a lot of the people who are hesitant to make any moves right now, it's not that they're rejecting you. The timing isn't right for them. So put them in the pipeline. Get them for the next couple of months when things clear up, you can refollow up with them. But remember, you're not trying to be insensitive. What you're doing is looking for the people who are still pushing through because they still need to be served. So if you go in with that mentality of I'm hunting, I'm searching, I'm finding the gold nuggets that want my help right now, you're gonna have a lot less hesitation towards approaching people during this time. So it definitely, I think, starts with the mindset of it and knowing that it is a lot different and the environment has to be appropriate with a different empathetic, you know, starting point than normal, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that you bring a good point there. There are people like you and I that are saying, okay, I understand what's going on, but I'm going to press through this situation because, you know, we spoke before we started recording at the end of this, right? Someone's going to win. Someone's gaining business. And, you know, because this is happening doesn't mean that the necessity for businesses to be profitable, the necessity for people to make decisions. I mean, there's so much that still is going to continue. Do you recommend or do you have your people implementing a different strategy or what is the strategy on identifying who are your prospects that are pushing through, who's not pushing through? And do you have a talk track for both for, you know, for one who's pushing through and for the other who's, Hey, you know, I just laid off my entire sales force. I just laid off my entire company. I'm not ready to make business decisions today. What do those two talk tracks look like? You have to go in there knowing that that's what you're hunting for, right? So because there's zero way you can tell by a name and a number, you know, even if you've had a relationship with this person for a long time, you don't know where they are right now. So your first method is, okay, I've got to find out where they're starting from. And then you have to match them where they're at. So if somebody is talking to you about being fearful, the market is scary, times are horrible, you don't go in there and say, yeah, Anthony, but we can still win that. See, I wouldn't be on your level. So I would agree with you. I would talk to you about, yeah, you're right. It is scary time. And then I want to start leading you away from that mentality. So imagine if we could improve. Imagine if even in this scary time, you could come out profitable, right? So I start where they're at and then I work my way up. But it doesn't happen without me having the initial conversation, asking them where their business is at, where are your goals, what are some things you want to accomplish? And then by their answers, I'll know where to start. So I have to always make sure I'm matching them where they're beginning. If you contradict them, then it becomes combative and that's not going to be helpful as well. So the worst case scenario, if you're talking to somebody in that 
in that mindset, like I said, pipeline them, you know, let them know you're empathetic. Well, I'm still here to serve you everything I can do. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be there for you. Is it okay if I follow up with you? All those questions we're trying to ask, you can start bringing them out because there's no sense in pushing through somebody who mentally can't move up that next level. You're better off spending time with the next prospect who's ready for you. Yeah. I think as you mentioned that pushing through, right, it's, it's a fine line right now. And I think there's going to be salespeople who come out of this thing looking like heroes. Yeah. And there's going to be people who are going to burn a pipeline because their yeah. own urgency, their own need, right? I, I look at it as, you know, I, I just spoke with um, a potential client earlier this week and, and his number one question was, I need to make money now. It was It was almost in the form of desperation. And my response was, you're, you're going to have commission breath. I mean, you need to make money. And the person that you're, you're, you're trying to sell to is trying to save money. So you're, you're not going to find a happy solution. Mm -hmm. Is, is it possible for salespeople to build a pipeline? And when they're building this pipeline, how do you prioritize? Because if, if we do it, as you said this far, you you put people who aren't ready to make decisions in the pipeline. I imagine whenever we get, let's quote unquote, call it back to normal, you're going to have a pipeline of 100, 200, 1,000 prospects, whatever your business method is. Once you have this pipeline full of prospects, how do we prioritize where we're going to spend our time with? That's a good problem to have, though. That's One, it's a great problem. That's a fantastic problem to worry about. Like, oh, my goodness, my pipeline is so big. Where do I start, right? Um, you've got to be meticulous in your conversations and really intentional. And, and don't fool yourself. So if I'm talking to you, Anthony, and we're having a conversation and you're kind of wishy-washy, you're being nice to me and say, yes, I can follow up with you. I'm not going to put in my notes, follow up. This is, you know, in my mind, I'm not like, I'm going to close them in June. No, you know, so be very intentional on how you document everything so that you can be very strategic in who you talk to first. And, it, you know, talking about your guy who has commission breath, I'm stealing that line forever. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, when people are in that mode right now, this all sounds great. Like, yeah, I'm going to, how am I going to, you know, separate my pipeline when, when things are better? I don't care about that. I need to make money now. I think you should be the most grateful that you're in a role where you can make a lot of money right now, because even though a lot of people still have their jobs and thank God for that, you know, we're just working at home, but they still have limited income. So, so I think you need to chill a little bit and do the same thing with your list today. So really strategize. Okay, these are all my leads that I have. Um, hopefully you have. If you if you have not built a pipeline yet and you're starting from scratch today, then we're talking a different story. Then you just got to pound the pavement. But you would do the same thing then as you would do now. Like who is the the conversations I've had? Who has been the nicest to me? Who has referred people to me? Who has bought from me before? Those are the people you should be really serving a lot right now. So that they can give you some more, you know, feedback from there. And so I would, I literally would not change that strategy if I have a thousand people in my pipeline come June, let's say, you know, or whatever the time is, I would just make sure that I'm very meticulous and very intentional about my documentation. And I know us as salespeople, we hate doing that part, but it's going to make your life a lot easier when you do have so many people to follow up with. Yeah. And, and I think you, you won, you hit the nail on the head. Salespeople do not like the... I, I don't know that I call it the nitty gritty, the, yeah. the, you know, the funnel management for lack of better words. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I know when, you know, I used to, when the very first team I managed, people were like, Oh, if you just set the appointments, I can close the sale. I'm like, Oh, I could close the sale too. If I could, yeah. I mean, 
anybody can do that. Part of it is is managing the pipeline, setting up the prospect appointments, getting in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. And that process you just mentioned of of managing it your your funnel now, just like it was before, and you know, nothing changes. I think that's that's a really um that's a that's a key nugget there that I don't think people realize the funnel management doesn't change just because we're on this co- COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-mm. Now, if we're building a funnel and we want to go and we want to drive some revenue and you have people and you're and you're doing the whole funnel management, is there a creative way or is there a different way to bring people into that funnel now? And and let's talk about, you know, you know, we can we can go B2B, B2C, whatever, whatever direction you want to go on. Let's talk about how do we bring people into that funnel now that we may not have done before or how we're changing it now. How do we bring people to us? What I love about sales is, and this is sports too. I think a lot of people who are in sales are very sports-minded people, right? Mm -hmm. Is there's the fundamentals. The fundamentals will never change no matter what the environment is doing. So what am I referring to here? You have to fill the front end. You have to be front end focused. So we're going through these crazy times. You know what that means? Your ratios might need to adjust. So used to be you would talk to 10 people and close a sale. Well, today it may be 20 to close the sale. That's not bad news. That's great news once you analyze that because now I'm not frustrated when I'm talking to 10, not closing one. Are you with me? So it's like, okay, so where's my ratio? That's the first thing I'm going to do. Like, okay, now that this has changed, we've been through this for about a month here in the US, right? Kind of going through these processes. Are my ratios still the same? Chances are they're not. So if they are different, I have to now play the new ratios. That means if I have to put more people on the front end to get the same amount of closes today, then that better be my focus right now. Not the whining and complaining and the fact that I'm not closing as much as I used to. I'm just adjusting. Like, okay, so I have to make sure I put 20 people in front of me today. I used to only have to do 10. How do I get to the 20? And now my prospecting efforts start from that front end. That fundamental to me will never change. You just have to adapt the numbers that you're working with. That is, uh, that is those, that front end, that stat management, what you just shared right now, 10 to get to one, 20 to get to one. I know that um, I beat the drum on people who work with me. You got to know your stats. You got to yeah. know how, how much output are you going to have to get to get revenue back in. Right. The challenge when you just said that, and, and, and I mean, I'm not immune to this, and, and, and I know you're not immune to this, right? Just because we come in and, and we're, we're geeked out about training and teaching sales doesn't mean we're immune to this. Right. As you said, it, from 10 contacts to one, 20 to 1, in my mind, I'm like, man, that is demotivating. That is challenging. And that's going to have an impact on people that don't have that strong mentality in sales, how does someone correct that? Because the way you said it right now, I mean, you just motivated me. I was like, man, this is, you were on a call. You just fired me up. I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to do the pay. I'm going to pound the pavement. But how does someone stay, I guess, for lack of a better word, strong in the mind to go through this process? So you have to look at it from the right perspective because you're demotivated if you say, crap, I got to go from 10 to 20 instead of saying, man, thank God I can control the 20. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you're looking at it from the perspective of it's more work, then you're coming from it from a wrong angle and you're going to demotivate yourself. What you've got to always look at, and this is why sales is powerful, that you are always the one in control. So commission breath people here, right? (laughs) You need to make that money. You, yes, have to put in effort that you didn't have to put in maybe two months ago. 
but remember that it's temporary. It's not always gonna be 20 to one, let's say, if we're using these same numbers. You're probably actually gonna improve your skill set if you think about this, and you come out of this with a higher ratio, or you know, ratio of uh, prospect to close, you're gonna come out way better skilled. So you're now putting in the time, like as if you're going to college, right? You don't get paid to go to college. You pay money to go to college. So you're putting in your dues right now. You're going to get the closes you need to because you're upping the ratios on the front end. And then imagine on the back and not only you're going to have a bigger pipeline, you're going to have a better skill set. So you're going to come out of this where you used to be a 10 to one closer. You're going to be a five to one closer if you have the mentality and the right perspective from the beginning. So I, to me, it's like a win-win. I'm going to make my money now. And 90 days from now, 120 days from now or whenever, I'm going to probably double my income from the same activity. I mean, you talk about a super closer right there. I mean, you just answered my question and you closed me on why I should have the correct perspective. Okay. I mean, one, kudos to you. That's an amazing skill set. But that brings up a really good point. We have this mentality of salespeople that we have to really own the the environment we create is what's going to happen and yeah. the if you look through your situation through a lenses of disappointment frustration more additional work etc that's what you're going to get out and the right. lens you just described to look through it that is a positive motivating direction of where i want to be in which one i think is phenomenal and that's going to lead me to a great pivot and I want to talk a little bit about sales leadership. And before we finish the call, I want to talk a little bit about your coaching and and what type of training and all that uh, good stuff we offer. But what you just said right now, Anita, you created a leadership approach to motivate somebody, to drive somebody. How do we scale that? I mean, I know you just did it one on one, but let's just say you have a sales team of 20 people, 100 people. Not everyone's going to adapt to that message. That re that message doesn't resonate for everybody the same. So how do sales leaders, one, lead their team through this, two, lower turnover and try to drive revenue? Such a, a powerful question right now. First of all, as the leader, you know, the piston theory, cars aren't made with pistons anymore, right? They're made with computers now. But when pistons fire at different times, right? Okay. I've always seen people that way. There's no way I expect my team of 20 or 200 or five, whatever the number is, there's no way I'm going to expect them all to be firing at the same time. I know this. So it relaxes me in the sense of like, look, if Bob doesn't want to go push right now, I can't make Bob push. I've always been a person who thought, you know, people have parents or kids usually, right? And if you have parents and kids and they don't motivate you to go be great, nothing I say can do that for you. Right. So I come from that perspective. I'm going to give you the tools and the environment you need to win. And then it's on you to put that effort into action. So number one, that's my perspective as a leader. The second thing I do is I always look for a rabbit. I always look for the one that is succeeding because then I have an example to point from. If you're a leader who's like, I have five people on my team and nobody's doing it, then look for a rabbit on a different team. Don't be afraid to promote success elsewhere because it's still success during these times. I really firmly believe if even one person is succeeding right now, it's proof that it can be done. So I always look for a rabbit, preferably on my team, but if not, I point at somebody, look, this is what this team's doing. This is what this team's doing. If they can do it, let's do it. And then I bring out the competitive juices. Let's get fired up. We can dominate that, right? Because you show success as an example, so no excuse can be taken. And then the last thing, one of the last things I'd say, 
say is, look, if you're a leader and you have not gone in the trenches with your team up to this point, you're already a little bit behind. Hopefully as a leader, you've already demonstrated that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty with your team. If you have fought for your team, this is the time to ask them to fight for you. Right. Because you've come, you've shown I'm here. We're doing this together. Maybe you've pulled them out of crunches with sales calls. Maybe you've taught them things or motivated them when nobody else was listening to them. Do you, all these things you build up over time in leadership. Times like this is where you can pull out the card and say, hey, I now need you because you've been there for them. It's OK to bring that up because people will more likely fight for someone else than they will for themselves, unfortunately. So I'm hoping in this leadership, people who are listening to podcasts or people with different mentalities anyway, you can now ask of your team to fight for you. Don't be afraid to do that. Say, hey, we need everything we've got right now. After this is all done, we'll all take a break together. We'll celebrate. We'll do something. But right now, can I count on you? Can you be the person that I can call at the end of the night and say that you did something for the team? If you bring that conversation out, don't be a don't dominate. Don't say, hey, Anthony, you better deliver today. No, Anthony, you know, you and I have been through the trenches together. We've been through a lot of stuff more than ever. I need you right now. Can I count on you? Can you be the guy in my corner? Even if it's one sale this month. Can I count on you to deliver that for me, please? If you have that servant leader mentality from the start, these are times you can bring out that card. And I think that helps in a big way. 100%. I mean, there's so much nuggets of what you just shared right now, but that getting in the trenches, the ability to ask people to work for you because you have worked for them right. so long. Right. I think that's a skill that leaders sometimes underestimate, but they don't realize how much value it is. And I think it goes back to people have to see you fight for them. People have to see you get in the trenches with them. And if you haven't done that, you, you are you are behind the eight ball. It's not too late to do it, but I just think the message has to be massaged. If you haven't done it yet, I think the next best thing, like if you're like, crap, man, I nobody wants to fight for me, then the next best thing is swallow your ego, find the guy on your team who's been that for a lot of people on the team and have a one-on-one -on -one with them. Be like, Anthony, I'm going to come straight with you. I have not been the leader I've needed to be. I know I've always been really dominant and I've been the type of person who just demanded and all this. But listen, can I ask you a favor? Can you help lead the team today? This is when we need the team to pull through. And I will make sure I give you the credit and people will know that you're the reason. Because if you do that, now I've got you as the guy that everybody loves and respects pushing for me. Now I have leverage, but you better make sure you follow through on your commitment to showcase Anthony as the hero, you know, when this is done. So you still can recover from that if you haven't, but you've got to swallow your ego and use people on your team to help you. I like that. As you're saying that, it's it's funny. I'll, I'll show you on camera. Now, I don't do a video podcast, so I'll tell you what it says, but I, I literally have this little plaque on my desk every day that what you just said, and it says, it's uh, Ronald Reagan had it on his presidential desk forever. And it says, there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. And what you just said was, as a leader, okay, I haven't been in the trenches. I'm going to give Billy the ability to come lead this team because I don't care who gets the credit. I just want the team to go as a whole. That's, that's really profound there, Anita. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. 
I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. Now, when sales leaders are out in the trenches, what let's 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 talk you know we can use covid we can use non covid but when i'm out in the trenches what should my objectives be when i go out with my team or with my sales rep in their sales call spending time with them what am i trying to accomplish can i be candid on this podcast 100% that- okay. yeah so because sales leaders are looked at by their whole team as the gods who know everything. Like, oh my gosh, this unclosable guy. But if I bring a Nate out on this appointment, she's going to close it, right? And we're just as human as you. And so I'm talking to the sales leaders right now because I know how you're feeling. I know it's just as terrifying. And I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, why I can't close this. I wish somebody else would do it for me. I mean, I, I'm being honest, right? This yeah. is how we feel sometimes. So what do you do is you be human. Don't look at yourself as having to depict yourself as this unbelievable sales closing pro who never makes mistakes because your guy actually needs to see the human side of you to be more motivated. So go on this appointment, go on this call, like as if he didn't bring you or she didn't bring you. Just go be the guy, the person that can make this happen. And don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to be perfect because Bob next to me, if he's with me and he's seeing me do this, he would rather go, that's all you did? I could do what you did. Wouldn't you rather he do that than, oh my God, you're so amazing? Because then I'm independent. I want him to be like, that's it? That's all you got to do? I'm like, that's it, Bob. Go for it. And again, I think it goes back to that plaque. Like, get rid of the ego. Just be the sales pro that brought you to the point where somebody is even thinking that you're worthy of taking them. Like, you know what I mean? I think, and if you show that side of you, like, we're both in this together. The only reason I'm in this position is I've done this way more times than you. That's a big way to get somebody on your side. You know, like, and it makes them independent a lot more because they're not trying to now take you on every single close. They're like, I got this. I got this. You know, and if you can build a team of people who are confident like that, it's going to be powerful because, you know, you can call on any single one of them to come step up and deliver. So be human. Don't worry about impressing your rep. It worry about serving the client like you would if they didn't even exist in the scenario. That's really good. Good feedback there. I think we learn more when we watch somebody struggle or fail that we typically admire because you see exactly. Yeah, you are human. And but, you know, on the on the flip side, I I have been in that role. I've gone out. I'm like, I have to deliver. I have to deliver. And, you know, you you create this nervous like, oh, my God, they're going to watch me fail. And it's it's kind of like a maturity phase. Right. I, I know in my early leadership career, I was like, oh, and as my later leadership career, I'm like, dude, well, you know what? I if I fail, I'm like, well, that's why you're here. You're you're ten times better than I am. You're yeah. a way better sales rep. I I'm just the guy that stood around long enough that I got into this role of leadership, and that's what I tell people. And and they and, you know I joke with them, but I always and it's funny as you say that you know when I recruit salespeople, that's what I say. I'm going to recruit people who are better than me, yeah. who have all the skills way better than me. Because once you see me do it, you're like, oh, dude, you're a schmuck. I am better than him, and we're going to move this thing forward. But you know what? It's liberating because I don't know why we put that pressure on ourselves. Look, you got to remember, 
you're in that position for a reason, but our brain is much more programmed to negativity than positivity. So we instantly think of what can go wrong instead of, man, I'm damn good. Of course he wants me to go with me because I'm awesome at what I do. Like you see what I mean? So you just have to like relax, chill. You're going with them. You Another voice is always great, you know, in any scenario. So you're not going in there because you're the master closer of all closers. You're going in there because you can be a new light on the scenario. And that's all you have to worry about. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's interesting. I, I'm glad to hear you say that because um, it, there's no there's no manual for sales leadership. Right? Right. It's, it's it's really funny. I mean, I have learned and I have interviewed some really powerful people on this podcast and 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 creating my book. I did some research and interviewed some sales leaders. There is no manual for sales leadership. It really is. There's leadership training, there's sales training, but when you combine the two. It has a new dynamic, a new, Absolutely. a new challenge with it. Mm-hmm. So let me let me role play a scenario with you here that has that has been a area that I've I've collaborated on with colleagues that manage sales teams. How? Let's start with the how. How and then when do you give negative feedback to a sales professional? You spend some time. You went out and you're like, "Hey, dude, this you." you're bad, you're terrible, but you don't want to say that right away. So how do you deliver it? When do you deliver it? And what are you trying to accomplish by delivering that feedback? You always, it's all system-based. If you're system-based, you're not going to have a problem with this. And this is going to come up all the time. First of all, never in public. I never criticize in public. I only praise in public. If there's even one other set of ears, all they're going to hear from me is how amazing I think they are. I will never criticize in public unless we're having a very specific, let's skill up meeting. That's completely different. But look, this guy just did a terrible job and I see exactly why he didn't close. But you know what I'm going to say? You smiled so well on that appointment. You did awesome. Now, I take them in. I'll be like, look, I've got some awesome stuff to go over with you. And I always start with the positive thing. And I know this almost sounds cliche, but you sandwich it, right? You start with fun things. You start with, this is exciting. Let me show you the new contest. Let me show you what you can go for. Do you know if you close this many sales, you could double your income? Because I want their juices jacked up. I want them being like, I love this. Oh my goodness, this is the best place for me to be. And then I'll be like, I'll ask them, Anthony, on a scale of one to 10, how do you think you did on that last appointment? This is actually a good question because then I see where your mentality is. Because if you come to me humbly and be like, honestly, it was probably a three, my job's easy now. All right, why do you think it's a three? Yeah, so let me show you how we can pivot from here. I mean, that's no brainer. And I've already come from an angle of like firing him up. If he says, oh, I think I did an eight, then it's the same question from there. Okay, Anthony, why do you think you did so well if we didn't close? Let's talk about that. And then, okay, so if we change this and this, do you think you could close better? Let's role play a little bit. So I start with asking them to give me their feedback. More often than not, if I'm in one-on-one and I just got them excited, I got them to trust me and like me, and they know, people know how they do. And remember, we beat ourselves up more than we praise ourselves. So chances are they're going to come out with it themselves and I can start the conversation. And then once we talk about it, I set a deadline or I set an action, a call to action. So I'm not just going to be like, yeah, fix that. What I'll say is, okay, so Anthony, what I want you to do is role play this 10 times between now and Wednesday, but I want you to send me your best recording. You can record every single one, send me your best recording. This is an, an, an option because what I want him doing is actively working on it. Or I can say, when's your next sales call tomorrow? Okay, so when you have that sales call, I want you to call me as soon as it's done and we're gonna recap. If you don't close the next three, then that means we have not tweaked this enough. Fair enough, Anthony, right? And so now I'm on a process and I'm working with him on it. So it's something that you identify, 
have him point out and then you give him a call to action to actually fix it immediately. Don't just kind of leave it in the air. I think that's huge. I think definitely you, you're tying them down and, and taking ownership over their own development. And I like how you ask at the end, right? If if your next three sales calls, we haven't closed, then we haven't fixed the problem, right? So, and I, and I think giving people ownership of that. Do you find when when you're giving that negative feedback or your or, or your co- let's not call it negative feedback, that coaching feedback? Do people like what's the response like? How often do you have people responding like, "Hey, I'm going to improve," and how often do you hear someone responding saying, "You know what? You're going to quit soon. This isn't for you." I mean. Where does where's your fine line? Where do your you know your spider senses go off on what's going to happen with this person? I think you know when you're sitting down, right? Like as you're sitting down, you know what you personally as a leader, the whole purpose of this discussion is going to be. You know where that person is mentally, right? So that also helps in how you guide that conversation. You know, I could be like, so let's say I feel from you that this isn't for you. You're not really excited about where it is. And I've tried to say, start the sandwich with all the positive stuff and get you motivated. I'm just not seeing your juices flare up. I'm not going to go straight into Anthony, how well do you think you did on that appointment? Because that's not where you are, right? I'm going to start with, hey, do you know, I think you're one, I'll compliment you on something. I think you're one of the best speakers we've ever had. I mean, out of everybody I've trained and worked, you are so eloquent. You can communicate well. I have trust in you immediately. So let me ask you a question. Where is your biggest struggle right now when you sit down with a brand new person? Why do you feel like if you can do that with me, that if you're having a hard time doing that with a client, right? So I'm bringing out what I'm seeing the root issue is. And I think as a leader, you have to be very aware of that. Like I'm a big believer in self-development, Anthony. Like I believe in learning the psychology, the mentals, because you start pinpointing these things out earlier in people. So I know if you did crappy on the last appointment, it's not necessarily a skill set issue with you. It's because you're on your way out. So I get my coaching is different. Right. Because if you're not enthusiastic and motivated about the whole process and the company and the product, all my skill training is going to be a waste of time. That's not where you are. It's not that you suck at what you say. It's that you suck mentally at how you're processing this situation. So I guess it's the same thing. You just you as a leader have to determine what you're coaching. No, I I was I, I think that is so that is great stuff. There is a skill training that takes place, but as you were describing that process, there's also a will training, right? So I can, I can definitely train skill. I can't train will. Like I can't make you want to do this, right? I can teach you, but if you're not going to implement it, that, that is huge. It, it, you know, I think of a time where I've, um, you know, I've had people in my organization and, you know, one of my top, you know, my number one sales rep on my team at a time. And I knew where her head was at. And I could just, you know, I knew her so well. I knew that, she had, at the point in time, I don't, you know, she was looking for different opportunities. We had a field ride and uh, I started the field ride and I said, hey, with all honesty, we're going to have coffee and we're going to talk about our dogs. We're going to talk about our families because at the end of the day, if I go out and teach you stuff, one, we're going to burn a bunch of gas. We're going to drive a bunch of energy. I just want to hear what's really going on. And it was, it started closed, but within a few hours, it was like everything, all the areas of underlying things that were impacting her were discussed. We got on a level playing field. I mean, I just remember in my management career, that was one of the times where I was like, wow, this really was, it wasn't a field ride for skill. It was a field ride for will. And it was just, let me see where your head's at. You know where my head's at. And we were able to move forward in in a positive direction from that. But I also think about, you know, there are sales leaders that sometimes it's skill, 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 skill. Mm -hmm. And that's when you lose people. That's when you, you, you know, there's no, 
um, there's no relationship. It's it's completely revenue based. So, do you know it's interesting you say that real quick because you cannot train for will. I've I my life became so much easier when I stopped trying to motivate people and I just look for motivated people. But when I look at my crowd, right, I look at the team in front of me. I know that they're all motivated by different things. So it's important as a leader that I don't only display one type of motivation. Like I'm not always just displaying the bonuses. Right. Because some people are not, believe it or not, motivated by money. It's weird for some of us to think Mm -hmm. that, but they're not motivated by money. So then I'll also display, look, it will have a team goal. If we hit this number, we'll donate this much to a cause. Now I'm appealing to a whole set of different people. I'll talk about retiring my mom as something important to me. Right. So I'm looking at the whole audience, making sure that I'm not looking for people to be all motivated the same way I am. But I know everybody can be motivated. We just need to find their trigger points. Yeah, no, that's really good. And and it is funny, right? There's people motivated around money and there's always something different. And, uh, you know, I, I've come across sales professionals that are like, oh, I'm only motivated by money, not recognition. And I was in an organization that made a change to the sales contest. And, I mean, these were grown men and women, all over 15 years sales experience, flooding my email and calling me, well, why is the sales contest changed? Why are we doing this? And I'm like, if it's if it has nothing to do with your income, it's a it's a number yeah. on an Excel sheet that we send out with a trophy that's you know fifty dollars at an annual sales meeting that you get and some recognition and maybe a little bonus tied into it. Why are we caring about this today? This is why, as a leader, you can't care about who gets the credit because ninety percent of people really do. And so, if you don't care about getting the credit, you can give credit to your people. Watch all of a sudden superstars rise up. Very true. Very true. So I, w- I want to piggyback on something you said earlier, which I think is is something that not enough sales leaders uh, actively get involved in self-development. You said you're geeked out about self-development. Give us some examples. What are you doing for your own personal self-development? And what are you recommending to your people? I am called a nerd frequently, and that's okay by me. Like I, I can probably point out a book for you to read on any issue you're going through. I've read a lot of books, and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But thank God I started the journey, you know, 18 years ago because I know I think differently than most people. I, for example, COVID. Right? How many people are you know freaking out right now? A lot. Why do you think you and I are not freaking out? We've developed a mental toughness muscle that makes us not affected mentally by this. I'm not saying I'm not affected. I know I can, obviously, the dangers. I understand that. But I'm not mentally affected at all by this. And it's because of self-development. So number one, you have to read every single day some kind of self-development book. Because so many people are like, I just don't know what to read. Read something. I don't care what it is. Well, you know, there's a million books already recommend anything Napoleon Hill, any sales leader. I believe in books. I don't care who it is. I never throw out the baby with the bathwater. If there's the stuff in there that's boring, there's stuff that's good, keep that. Because you never know what one idea sparks a new connection in your brain that takes you to another level. So reading number one, this podcast is a powerful resource because you have to be listening to audios. I am ridiculed all the time by my friends because I literally do not know what's on the radio. I don't know what's like popular on Netflix. I just, and sometimes people think that I don't have fun. I have a lot of fun. I do a lot of fun things, but if I have a window, if I have a 20 minute drive somewhere, I can listen to four or five songs or I can get a podcast in that teaches me a new way to overcome a certain objection. And I just made 10 grand extra next month. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of motivated on getting to that next level more so than learning, you know, Madonna lyrics. I don't even know. She's, does she sing any? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. 
So you're with me. So you yeah. need to you like read. So it's visually entering your brain. Audio it needs to come in through your ears. I am a huge believer. Something I am building is live events. I will never stop advocating for seminars, conferences. And now it's so interesting because we are in this virtual world. So still attend all these virtual things you can. But we're going to come back to where we actually see each other face to face for two reasons. Because you're in the there's something about being in a live event. You make big decisions at big events that you don't make by reading a book, that you don't make by journaling. There's something about the energy of thousand people fired up about changing their lives that makes you like swell up. And the more events you attend in real life, the better you're going to feel about yourself, the more juiced up you're going to be, the less you're going to want to return to life as normal when you come home and invest in them. If you have to travel, get hotels, they're worth it because they literally change who you are as a person. So can you imagine, I've been doing this for now 18 years. Obviously, I think differently than when I started. You know what I mean? And so if you're just starting your self-development journey, what that's going to do for you is you're going to communicate better. You're going to sell better, all those things, of course. But you know, more than anything, you're going to be so mentally tough. Very few things can faze you. Imagine being able to have way more control of your emotions than you do now. I'm still human. Things bother me. I get frustrated all the time. Yes. But you know, my recoil time is so fast. Things I don't stay down very long and I don't stay up very long either because I don't celebrate too long. I know I just need to keep moving. And that's a gift that only self-development can give you. You're going to be able to relate to everybody because of it. Yeah, I'm a big advocate. I love that. You know, the recoil time, the highs, the highs are never too high. The lows are never too lows. You're always in that Zen mode. Reading daily, podcasting. I I listen to so many podcasts on a consistent basis. So I totally get the nerd in you. Uh, I do the reading either either I read or I do audiobooks. Sometimes I, I have some uh, I long travel, and so sometimes when I do long travel, I could knock out a whole one or two audiobooks depending on where I'm going, and yeah. I, I dig things. One of the things that you said there, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad you you brought this up. After 18 years, you're still committed into your self development. And we have a very similar timeline in this profession, and I'm still committed to my self-development. When I talk with people about self-development and about reading books, I, I always set the precedence. I'm like, hey, look, you're just trying to pull a few nuggets out. Unless you're a brand new sales professional, right? And if I'm training like someone who's never been in sales, never heard anything, then yes, it's like drinking from a fire hose. But yes. if, if you're tenured and you've been around and you've read a few books, you're all you're trying to do is still a little nugget, a few nuggets that can give you a mental shift, something you can implement right away. And when you have that expectation, because I've read some books where I'm like, ah, this doesn't apply or oh, this isn't fun. And then, oh, boom, I found something. I highlighted, oh. hey, this is what I'm going to take. So it's just about doing the reps, putting the reps in, reading, listening, <laughs> engaging. I like that. I mean, who likes doing bicep curls, right? But you do each one because you like the results three months from now. I mean, that's literally and reading an actual book to me, there's something powerful about it. But nobody says you have to read it in a week. I mean, there's a there's, some of us are great and we read. But look, if you take one book in a month, that's 10 pages a day. That's literally all a book is or less. It takes you 15 minutes. Do five minutes. There's something about going through and being focused solely because audio books, podcasts, all that we could usually be doing other things. And you're right. How juicy is it when you find just that one nugget? It the book's great, everything's going great, but then you find one thing. There's nothing that beats that high of, oh my gosh, I love this. Like that's why you have that quote on your desk. Yeah. It did that for you. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's powerful. It changes you. 
It hundred percent. I mean, and you can only find things by going through and putting the reps. And I love the analogy, right? We do bicep curls. So three months from now we can have biceps. We don't do bicep curls. You know, it's funny as you're saying that, right? This morning I went and worked out of the gym. I'm like, all right, no, I don't feel skinnier, but I got my workout in. Right. So it's kind of like you're putting the reps in. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about your coaching business, your speaking business, your live event. So in your coaching business, who who do you serve? Who do you help? What what does that process look like? I am focused primarily on my live events right now. And okay. well, that sounds so funny in the time we're in. Talk about pivoting and adapting. So <laughs> I am very accessible. So I'm active on Instagram, active on LinkedIn, and I'm probably the most accessible person. I'm happy to answer questions. I won't always get have the time to do this, by the way. So I always tell people, if you have questions, ask me now before I'm too expensive, right? But anybody can ask me questions, reach out. I'm happy to help and promote. What I want to make sure I create is an environment where people can come together and enjoy like the relationship and enjoy the camaraderie and knowing that they're not alone. Because here's what's going to happen as we self-develop and start growing. And those of us in sales that are passionate about sales, which I, I don't know if there's anything that's as sexy as closing a sale, man. When you get that... <laughs> Lows and you see it just go through paid. Is there anything that feels better? Nothing feels better than that. So I love the sales game. And you're going to be in this world where everybody else in your circle thinks you're crazy. That's just what's going to happen. Everybody's going to be like, you should get a real job. Even if you're doing well, people are going to be like, so are you going to go look for a real job eventually, right? Because especially if you're on commission or if your income is based on like the market right now, everybody's probably being taught like, man, you should have really said yes to the other job. Like I'm sure this is going through people's heads. So I'm passionate about creating live events. So those of us who are the black sheep in our family, in our circle, we actually come together and be like, I'm not alone. Like we are a movement and we need to stick together. And if we have that power and energy, we can do some big things and be great. And so my big focus is creating live events all across the country and they're going to be small to big. So I have a networking event that I run we have about 15 to 30 people depending on that event. And we're planning a conference at the and a, um, a conference and a retreat for saleswomen in the fall here in Texas. So that's something that we're working on as well. So anything where I can actually gather humans together who have the same mindset so we can explode. That's going to be my focus. I dig that. I think live events are so impactful. And if you have not been to a live event, you have to put that on your to-do list. The the networking you meet at a live event. Here, here's how I took one of the very first live events that I went to. And I say live event that, I mean, I think the very first live event I paid to go to, oh man, it was 18, 17, 18 years ago. I went to see Jim Rohn speak when he, uh-huh. Jim Rohn was still alive. And it was, uh-huh. I was fired up. I was still in college. I remember finishing, um, getting out of football practice, going, changing, putting on a nice shirt and tie heading down to some, I think, I don't know if he was at the West End in Pasadena or something like that, and hearing him speak. And I was like, just jacked up and fired up. And then, you know, that was exciting at the time. I look at it now, some of the last live events I've been to, I mean, I have connected with so many like-minded people. We talk about, you know, you know building, you know, your network, right? You level up your network. And when you find somebody who thinks like you, oh. thinks at a big scale, you're like, oh, this is awesome, right? So if you ever find yourself in your network where you're the the wealthiest, you're the most successful, go to a live event, find somebody better because there's always somebody doing better. 
Absolutely, man. And you know, that one thing that a big part of my seminars and workshops that I build is actually training people how to network, because we're saying all this stuff for those of us who are seasoned at events, and we go to events, it's not hard to meet people anymore. But I remember being the person who would be terrified to try to shake someone's hand and really didn't understand the purpose and didn't understand how to do it. And I go to events today, Anthony, God bless them all, right? But the first thing they try to do, it's like on LinkedIn when they DM you their pitch immediately instead of build that relationship. Oh boy. <laughs> but people do that live. And like, I've realized networking is a skill that most people don't have and they're scared of it. And so I think you need to, that's something, if anything, practice up and get good at that skill. And if that's all you master because of live events, imagine your sales career, it's gonna skyrocket. That is key. That is such, such that's, that could be a whole nother podcast episode, how to effectively network. Cause yeah. there's what you just said. I, I, I laugh because I literally opened up my LinkedIn, you know, about 20, 30 minutes before we started recording. And I had some of the, Hey, let me sell you this. Let me sell you that. And I'm like, guys, Hey man, how about, Hey, how's your family right now? Let's just start with that. Would, you I, know, know you. I have no idea what you're trying to sell me right now. So that's uh that's interesting. Well, I've had so much fun on this show with you, Anita. I think you deliver so such a spunk and so much passion behind sales that it's 100% attractive for anybody who wants to level up their network. So how does someone find you? What's the website? What's the social media? What's all that good stuff? So the website is hersalesresource.com. And the best place to find me actively is Instagram and LinkedIn. So Instagram, her sales resource, and then LinkedIn is my name and it's spelled E-N-E-I-D-A-C-A-N-E-V. So I'm sure you'll put that in the notes as well, but please connect with me. I would love to see where you're at and cheer you on. Fantastic. Catapult and Commissions family, there you heard it, hersalesresource.com. Anita Knev is with us today. And I will have all her links, everything you need to know about her in the show notes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, just click the show notes. If you're on the website, just click the show notes on there. If you're on YouTube, it'll reroute you back to the show notes as well. Anita, thank you for joining Catapult and Commissions. You stay safe out there, and I look forward to connecting with you more again. Thanks, Anthony. You too. Well... That does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony p garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions thank you for your time and i look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions